people do need help and that it shouldn't be glossed over. Trying to get a hold of my mother who had to, you know, detach from me. She's mother's always the last one to do it. Mm -hmm. And her saying, no, you cannot come live with me. You cannot stay here tonight. And, and she had to do that. And that's what saved my life. So um, it makes you realize how important, you know, an ecosystem of community is. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Pizza and Pasta Osteria has been open now for seven years. In restaurant terms, that makes the Rock Hill hotspot practically an institution. It's also been joined by an equally popular spot in town and country. And in this pandemic, a thriving frozen pizza business. Katie's has become a juggernaut. But for chef and co-owner Katie Collier, seven years in business isn't the only important anniversary. There's also 10 years. That's how long she's been sober, a milestone that came only after significant struggle. And she joins us today to talk about it. Katie Collier, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So we're so happy that that you're willing to open up about this. Um, Ten years is huge. What would you credit your sobriety to? Um, Gosh, a great family, a great community, um, and just, I guess, you know, higher power, luck, whatever, you know, um, hard work. Too. All of the above, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All of the above. So does it get easier after you've been doing it for 10 years? It does. Absolutely. It gets easier, um, I think, as soon as you really surrender. Um, life doesn't get easier and challenges still come, but the actual um, need to drink and the addiction and that pull, um, you're relieved of that, or I am at least. Hmm. So take us back to the beginning of that journey for you. When did you first start using drugs or alcohol? Uh, I was so young. I was like 13 or 14 years old. So yeah, um, high school. And, um, you know, I just couldn't cope with um, being uh, an adolescent. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) (laughs) And then high school and all the temptation there. But I mean, I, I do believe that I was, uh, I have the gene for alcoholism. It runs in my family. Um, I'm sure there's some environmental things involved as well, but I believe I was born with it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, the, you know, the struggles with adolescence kind of exposed it. And that was the only way that I could figure out how to cope with it all. So it was very early on. And as a result, I mean, I, I dropped out of high school at the age of 15 years old. So it was pretty much an instant um, disaster for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I mean, even with dropping out of high school, you were 24 when you opened your first restaurant. I mean, it sounds like you were doing well. Were you able to fool people that that things were okay? Yeah, that I think, and I think ignorance is bliss. And I think, um, you know, I went for things that maybe I shouldn't have and had But, you know, also, I kind of had no other option. Uh, It kind of forced me against... uh, 24 was when I sort of first started to experiment with getting sober and could not. But I tried and I'd get 30 days here and a week there and 60 days, you know, here and there for... It took me about seven years to finally get sober. But, you know, in the beginning, it was... 
I didn't have an education. I didn't have really, uh, I came from, you know, a, a wonderful family, but we didn't have a lot of money. So it was kind of like I had to figure out how I was going to survive in the world. And so I started pretty early uh, working in restaurants. And that was just the natural progression was, I guess, I'll just open a restaurant. Hmm. That's a, you're obviously a much more daring person than I or many people listening, I suspect. How yeah. did your struggles with, with alcohol and drugs and trying to get sober and then falling off the wagon, how did that affect your ability to run a business? I was horrible at it. I lost um, my business. I was kicked out of the first, you know, Katie's Pizza on Clayton Road, um, as I should have been. Um, and, you know, I was a horrible leader. I didn't understand people. I didn't understand myself. Um, I was all, just all over the place. And, and the, you know, as a leader, you've got to be stable and you've got to be clear-headed. And I was none of those things. So mm-hmm. while I had creativity and I had, you know, a drive to build things and solve problems, I did not have the skill set or the stability to be able to do that. And so, you know, like I said, ultimately, I was forced out of that first business. And that was really probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me because, you know, it started a progression of a downward spiral that forced me to really humble myself and look at myself and say, I've something has to change and I've got to get better and I've got to, you know, um, you know, I just have to get sober. So that's, Hmm. that was, that was um, kind of what happened. But, you know, the very beginning, it's embarrassing to think back and look back at, um, the leader I was and how how I operated, for sure. Hmm. How long did it take you to get to the bottom? You say it began the process um, when you were kicked yeah. out of that restaurant. Was was that then years that followed after that? Or was that kind of, at that point, you were able to, to set yourself on the path of sobriety? Oh, it was, it was, it was a quick spiral, probably. I, I, you know, it's hard to remember, but maybe like a, a few months to six months spiral where I ended up not even being able to support myself, completely mm-hmm. homeless, absolutely no belongings, no phone, no family. I mean, when I say I have a loving, wonderful family, but the, my family had to, um, as they they had to detach from me completely. Zero friends, mm-hmm. probably probably enemies <laughs> <laughs> from all that bad management. Right? That's a good yeah. way to, to make enemies. <laughs> in general, just having, you know, and so having absolutely, absolutely nothing, nowhere to go, hungry, no ride, nowhere to live. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I think the, I, I think the bottom for me, well, I know the bottom for me was finally, you know, trying to get a hold of my mother who had to, you know, detach from me. She's mother's always the last one to do it. Mm -hmm. And, her saying, no, you cannot come live with me. You cannot stay here tonight. And and she had to do that, and that's what saved my life. And that was, you know, the moment when I realized I've got absolutely nowhere to turn, and so I've got to ask for help, and um, I did. I, I, you know, found a place that I could go for free, found a way to get there, did that all on my own. And that was, and, you know, I'd been to many treatment centers before and been to hospitals and been to, you know, tried and tried and tried. And it was, it was that final time when I said, I'm going to figure it out on my own and how, how I'm going to get there, take the bus and get a, you know, get a scholarship. And, and I did, and I've been sober ever since and lived in a halfway house um, down on South Broadway, the Harris house for, 
six months, and um, it was the the greatest experience and the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Wow, that's that's such a great testimonial there. And and what's amazing here is that from that point, it truly sounds like you hit rock bottom. Um, yes. You clawed yourself back out to the point that I mean, you you know, you have an incredibly successful business right now. Were you tempted to leave the restaurant industry behind and find something else as as you were getting back on your feet? Um. I just didn't, again, I just didn't really understand options and what my options were. And I absolutely love the restaurant business and love hospitality, even though I was a horrible host in the beginning. (laughs) Um, I'm much better now. But um, I knew that that was part of my calling. Today, I'm seeing more of a different, more of a calling than just restaurants. But I, at that time, that was part of my calling and I knew that I wanted to do that. And so I was, I, I've always had this, um, and like I said, kind of ignorance is bliss or laser focus on things. And so I just kind of said, you know, I'm going to figure it out. And I know that in my heart, I'm good at it. And I know that it can be a wonderful experience and a wonderful thing. So, um, I humbled myself as, you know, best I could and did a 180 in my life. And, um, yeah, like I said, got super laser focused, did a Kickstarter, um, met my husband, we did a Kickstarter, we raised money, and then we found investors, and um, no banks would lend to us, of course, um, but we found, you know, wonderful people that believed in our project and um, lended us money on a handshake, and we were able to pay them all back, and then we got one wonderful investor, Michael Cupstis. Um, who was who was the former VP of franchise for Panera Bread and is now the CEO of Lions Choice. And he found us through Kickstarter and he became a small partner um, and has been our partner and dear friend ever since. So it's been a it's been just an amazing journey where a lot of people and community Kickstarter and then just wonderful people and then family have have helped. So um, it makes you realize how important, you know, an ecosystem of community is. We're talking today to Katie Collier. She's the chef and co-owner of Katie's Pizza and Pasta Osteria, which now has two locations and a a really growing business in the the frozen pizza field. Um, Katie, as you continue to work in this industry and and have these restaurants in it, is it hard to be in this industry where alcohol is such a part of the culture and it's also a part of the way that, that you make money? Yes. I mean, it's not for me because I set up a, a, a restaurant where we have a dry campus. So we, no one's drinking on the job and no one's drinking after work hmm. in the restaurant. People so can't stay for that shift drink. You, you had to make that part of the, the culture there. Yeah, I did. And I think that's normal in all in other jobs. So I I was like, why not bring that into this industry? Because I know that it is it's a high stress, high energy just in, the shifts are just like you. I mean, you're problem solving, you're sweating, you're, you know, it's really intense. And at the end of the day, you know, it's natural to want to kind of decompress. And I just didn't want that to become a part of it. And I wanted people to come to work with a clear head, work with a clear head and kind of leave that out. And whatever they do on their own time is fine. But I just wanted to create that culture. So that's that's what we've done. It's been wonderful. I mean, it's just been absolutely wonderful. And we've attracted um, a lot of people who are sober. We have a ton of people that are sober that work for us and hmm. helped people, um, you know, when people have asked for help and they've inquired saying, you know, I know that you're sober and how did you do it? And being 
part of their journey as well has been amazing, too. Do you think there's a growing recognition industry-wide that this is something that, that people need to tackle, just this idea of let's all sit around together and drink way too much after work, that, that maybe that is not the best way to run a business? Yeah, I mean, I see more and more articles coming out about chefs saying, you know, I very acclaimed, wonderful, amazing chefs coming out and saying, you know, I have this problem and I need to change. And I think that's so important for people to do because it is so much a part of the culture that it's almost invisible. And like the problem is fine and I it, it, it shouldn't be fine. You know, people do need help and that it shouldn't be glossed over. And so to have these you know, important people in their field coming out and saying, you know, I needed help. I think it helps others as well. But there has, I, you know, I, it's a very destructive disease. It's, a, it's, it's um, progressive and fatal and awful. And, um, you know, alcohol is, is perfectly fine for, you know, the majority of the population. But, but for people who suffer from this disease, it's absolutely awful. And, and um, so I think there definitely needs to be some some things set in place to help those people. Do you think in general, local restaurants are doing enough um, to help those kind of people on their staff or maybe even their customers? Um, I don't know. I don't really, I try not to like, um, you know, judge or look at anyone else's business hmm. because I don't really have any business doing that or know what's going on. But I do know that um, I I think it's really cool. You know, there are some great things about social media and the advancement of information is that there is more knowledge about it. And so that's wonderful. And there are more resources are more accessible. Um, And so that's one of the reasons, you know, um, a few years ago, I did a sort of came out about my um, addiction was that Mm -hmm. I did want to be able to hopefully um, help someone out there who is struggling and see that it is possible and it is okay and um, how important it is to ask for help and get that help. Hmm. So it is such a stressful time right now in the restaurant industry. You guys are just under so many difficult conditions. How have you been able to keep your balance uh, during this past year? I think, you know, alcoholism and addiction really was a great um kind of set me up wonderfully for a pandemic, which is, <laughs> yeah, it's just a shock to the system when you get sober and you've got to change everything. And I think that happened to, to the world was it was just a shock to us all. Um, and just that ability to pivot quickly and really humble yourself and take inventory and figure it all out. This year has been second to the year I got sober, probably the most growth I've ever had as a person and a leader and a business um, because of all that chaos and uncertainty. It really forces forced me to look for, you know, opportunities to become better and, and, and pivot. So um, for me, I think having that experience of rock bottom and then getting sober really set me up well for, for this as well. Boy, that's great to hear. And and just in our final minute here, I know you're also now a mom. You have a two-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um, has that <laughs> also been sort of added inducement during this time of stress to, to stay on the right track? Well, that humbles you too. You For sure. You're, you're not the most important person in the world anymore. <laughs> Even to yourself. <laughs> 
so no, I mean, you know, not, my when my daughter was born and then this and all of those things are great reminders that you have to have balance and you have to take a breath. And so, she, you know, she's a, she's the light of my life and it's been wonderful. And having this time at home with her, you know, has been incredible. No daycare and nothing has been hard. But I mean, that's just wonderful time that I've gotten to be with her. So I try to look at the positives there. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. And it's just great to hear how well you're doing. I know that, you know, sometimes it can be so hard to share about such personal stuff. I know you're a pro at it now, but I want to thank you so much for for joining us and and sharing this insight to our listeners. I have to imagine there's someone out there listening right now who, who really needs to hear this today. Well, thank you so much. And I hope that if there is someone that they know that there's great help and their life can change. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.